Hello and welcome to my podcast, Breadcrumbs. This is your host, Ashley, aka Ash Kitten. And we are moving on to part two of interviewing yourself. Um, so I had some questions that I was answering from one of my greatest and um, awesomest supporters, uh, Clark Kent, who always makes me smile. And um, he could be superman who knows um and i was finishing up with those questions the last one ended on um how did you handle your breakup and so i was like going into that whole thing um and i'm still finishing that question and then i'll move on to the last question that he had for me and then i will start answering the questions that i found online um questions for yourself and then we'll see how long that goes. We might have part three, part four, who knows. But I advise you to um, start asking yourself questions. And they don't have to be the same exact questions. But really, this is a journey to self-love. And to love yourself, you have to know yourself. You have to get to know who you are. So let's get back into it. So how did you end your breakup? I was talking about... Um, why I left and um, my ex was a narcissist it took me 15 years we were together for 15 years and um, I did it almost three years ago so I'm actually you know really proud of myself that I didn't go back um, there was like a window a period of time within the first I would say three months that um, I had this urge to go back but it was just like Stockholm Syndrome. It was just, um, you know, I felt like, I don't know, I felt like that's all I knew. So how could I um, leave for the unknown? You know, like I, I didn't know. When I left, I didn't have any money. I didn't have anywhere to go. Um, I didn't know where I was going to stay that night. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have, I worked but my money got um, auto-transferred into his bank account. Um, yeah, don't ask me how, how that happened, how I let that happen. It was just a big, I was just in a box of control all the time. And everything that I did was always questioned. And, um, and the reason why my money went into his account was because um, he was afraid that I would... Um, that I was cheating or spending it or whatever. So he would give me actual money for food, like an allowance type thing. Yeah, it just sounds really awful talking about it, but I lived that life and for 15 years. And um, in the crazy thing is it's not like he paid the bills. Like we had our electric shut off and crap like that. And he bought things like sporadically that made no sense. Like we don't, we don't need this. Like, why did you buy a laptop for yourself? You are, anyway, so yeah, being with a narcissist for 15 years, um, it was, but the flip side of things, being the empath that I am, I, um, I don't hate him and I don't have any ill will toward him. And I'm hoping that, you know, even though I've never seen a textbook, I've never seen anyone who um, is a narcissist or um, has narcissist, strong narcissistic traits, because as I've explained in 
on my other podcast, a narcissist um, has all, all, embodies all of the narcissistic traits because everyone is on the spectrum. So you can have some narcissistic traits and doesn't mean that you're a narcissist. Um, he is full-blown, 100% narcissist, possible sociopath. Um, he has all of the, like, the profile markings of a serial killer, which is kind of scary, uh, definitely of a sociopath, um, arson in childhood, animal abuse in childhood, severe trauma in childhood, like all the things that make up a, um, psycho serial killer, except for most of them are in their, um, like midlife, like thirties and forties, and he's not there yet. So maybe he will be a serial killer. Who knows? Um, I was, I always thought I was going to end up being killed by a serial killer anyway. Um, joking, joking. <laughs> but, um, so, and plus serial killers don't go after people they know. Obviously, they, they target people who look like people that they're upset that they know. And I, I just study too much about crazy people. Um, anyway, he, um... He still tries to maintain a level of control, and it's funny because he, I could just like I can just pinpoint how narcissistic he is now. And before, I used to believe all of the like he's not manipulative to me anymore because I already know the tricks now. Um, I used to fall for it, like his apologies or his um, you know things that were on an emotional level, but now I I can see him faking empathy because I realized the truth. Once you kind of like open your eyes to the truth, just you can't see it the other way anymore. Um, so that that's why I'm past the point of no return because I absolutely have no um, romantic feelings for him any longer. And I just, um, would it be easier for me to go back? Not really because I don't want my kids to um, think that that life is okay and that it's okay to treat people that way or be treated that way. Um, and I was actually beginning to get treated that way by my own children. And it, it was like really eye-opening for me and mind-blowing. And um, the there was a lot of things that added up to me leaving, but I think like, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back was, um, I would always like hide in my room. Um, yes, we actually like had separate rooms because, um, I pretty much like, we were like, I was trying the whole like broken up, but still living together thing. Like I was trying to stay away from him, but at the same time live there so I could be around my kids. Um, and realized that he still had the control and he was still like, well, we're still married and you can't talk to this person and you can't talk to that person. And, and it would just be hell for me, you know, anything that I did that was out of line still, even though we were like technically broken up, like we weren't even sleeping in the same room anymore. And that had been for like eight months, about eight or nine months, um, going. So, um, I was in my own room and... I liked, like, that was my little, that was my sanctuary, that was my space away from him, and, um, that was my way to, like, get away or escape. I'd read a book, or I'd go on Facebook, 
or I would get away. I couldn't get out of the house because um, he would get really angry when I'd come back. Um, I tried it. I went out with some friends and he would like, I went out with some friends and there happened to be a guy in the group and he thought that I was screwing the guy and you know, we're together. It was just like a big deal. And, um, and he, um, and it's funny because he was very, um, hold on. Okay, they're good. Um, was listening for the kids, making sure they were okay. I thought I heard a scream. But I, oh, no, they are. Hold on one sec. Okay, they're good. They're fighting over a toy. All right, so, um, um, what I was saying, I lost my train of thought. But we were talking about narcissism and, um, and me leaving. Oh, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. So, um, we were living, or we were living together, but I was sleeping in a separate room, and that was, like, my sanctuary, my room was, and, um, I, I would just, like, get away, like, mentally get away, and he was very double standard because he, you know, he went places he wanted, and he would leave, which actually, when he left, I was happy because I'd get to leave the room and go other places in the house and stuff, um, but he did what he wanted, and, like, for so many years of our relationship, he was a compulsive cheater, and, um, that was also a form of control, you know, but also, he did what he wanted, like, he just literally just did what he wanted, anytime he wanted, and I was always, like, under scrutiny for anything that I did, or even thought, like, if I, he thought that I was thinking about doing something, you know, that was bad or wrong, then I would just get grilled for it, until either, A, I admitted to thinking it, even if I didn't think it, if he thought that I was thinking it, until I admitted it was just, it was just a lot of control and a lot of BS and we didn't get into it, but, but, um, but anyway, I was in my room and I was just, you know, getting away in my own head and, um, I was really hungry. So I came out of the room and he's like, what are you doing out of your room? And my daughter was sitting on the couch watching TV with him, my older teenager daughter, was sitting on the couch with him and um and she was like watching this take place and he's and I said um not that I have to explain to you but um I'm not in my room because you're making me be in my room I'm in my room because I I want to be and he's like well why are you out here why'd you come out and so I was just like trying to keep it civil, trying to keep it nice. I was like, oh, I was just hungry and I thought I'd come out and get something to eat. So he says, he points over to a bag of dog food because we have dog. And, um, and he said, there's dog food right over there, insinuating that I'm, an, I'm a dog. Like, what reason do you have to just like put me down like that? And what, re what reason? I don't understand. But then what like punched me in the gut was my 13 year old daughter, 12 at the time. Yeah. Said, um, she said, yeah. And there's some dog treats in there too. And she started laughing and 
Yeah, I know. She, she doesn't really know what she's saying. She just thought she was being funny and thought it was a joke and it was cute. And um, a lot of what my ex got away with was because he would say, oh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But he was very harsh and he was very mean. And um, and he would just be like, that's who I am. I just joke a lot. I'm sarcastic a lot. But no, it was more than that. It, I've met sarcastic people and Although I do not subscribe to sarcasm in a lot of ways, like I just don't like it because um, I think that it's just a way of being rude, you know. But I mean, I've I've met funny, sarcastic people too. So like, it's it's just how you do it, I guess, in the way that you do it. He was doing it where like he'd punch me in the gut, proverbially, not literally. And then be like, oh, it was just a joke. Can't you take a joke? You know, it would be like low blows all the time. So that was the reason that I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm literally living like in a prison in my room. And now my own children are disrespecting me. And I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to get out. And get my kids out of this environment. I don't want them to think that that's normal. That you can treat human being like that. And it'd be okay. Or get treated that way. Like my fear is that my children are going to end up in relationships. Where someone treats them like that. Because they think that it's okay. So I left. Because I want them to see me stand up for what is right. And stand up for what is good. Um, what have I, Would I have had the strength to do that on my own without any kids? Probably not. Because... Until I left, it wasn't that I realized what I was actually involved in with the narcissism and everything. So I wouldn't, I don't think I would have actually left because I wouldn't have thought it was that bad because it was just me that was like, you know, getting hurt out of it. But now my kids are getting hurt. And even though he's not being abusive toward them, and he's not, um, but in a way it is abuse because if you're teaching someone that it's okay to treat people like that, to me, that's emotional abuse. So um, it's not anything that I can call defects on, but it's definitely not right. And it's not the way that I want my kids to grow up and live. So, I, you know, I left and um, I learned a lot about myself from it. I started a, um, a YouTube channel a while back when I first left where I was like trying to figure it out and crying and, you know, like take this journey of leaving with me but um I wasn't consistent with it I only made two videos and I think the reason why is because I just I just felt like it was um it was too hard to go through that at the same time as like documenting it for the world to see so um I've been through a lot of ups and downs with him and I realized that I have to play the game in order to get what I want. And it's sad because I don't like manipulating. I don't like manipulating people. And empaths could easily manipulate people. But I think that's the difference between an empath and a um, narcissist is that they don't. They don't, they don't manipulate people because it's not something you want to do. I don't want to manipulate people because it's not right. Um, however, in the situation that I'm in... Um, I kind of manipulate. I mean, it's not like hardcore manipulation, but I, I do manipulate to an extent um, because 
If not, then he would just be trying to control everything. So what I mean by that is like, um, I go over there, I'm nice, I'm civil, um, and I just listen to him talk about himself and, you know, and just like, yeah, that's cool. And, and kind of just play along a little bit, like go through the motions, play along, um, just so I can see my kids and, um, going through the divorce right now, I believe that I'm going to end up with the kids because I have pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of text proof of the person that he really is to me, um, in the controlling and the aspect that he is toward me. Um, and I have, you know, I have the fact that I was in bad women's shelter and things like that. So I think that I'll win. Will I keep him from his kids? No, because no, I wouldn't do that to my kids. Um, no child needs to be away from their parent. But I do want to um, instill in them right and wrong and then let them judge for themselves as they get older and see, like, who is the more stable-minded person in my life? Like, who is the one that is using me as a pawn to uh, manipulate the other? Because I never do that. I don't talk bad about him in front of my kids. I tell them, your dad loves you. I don't, um, that's one thing that I recommend. Don't ever, if you're in a situation where you're, um, you know, not with your ex and you have kids together, um, don't talk bad about that person. No matter how how mad you are at that person or how even if they do it to you and he's done it he's made my kids think that I don't want them that I abandoned them they they actually thought that it was like weeks that went by months actually um felt like years where um he had a new girlfriend he replaced me like um as their mom and um they were calling her mom. He'd only known her a week and then moved her into the house or like started dating her because he knew he'd known her a while, but like started dating her and then a week moved her in a week, moved her into the house. And the kids didn't know her up until that point. Like they'd only known her for a week. And then all of a sudden she's like living in the house and, um, being, you know, they're being told to call her mom and that I'm not their mother, um, because I don't take care of them and that I'm just the egg donor, which I've heard that the other way around with like a male who's a deadbeat dad, not in the child's life, but I was trying to be in my kid's lives and he was rejecting it. And then out of the rejection, making my kids think that I wasn't trying. Um, so then when I did try, they thought it was just like, you know, not putting in too much effort. Like when I call, they would just hang up on me and, um, you know, I would say, I love you on Facebook Messenger or things like that. And my child would say, yeah, conditionally. But those are all programmed responses. Those are all things that I know that he's input into them. And eventually um, will be rejected out of them because they can see the consistency that I'm putting up a fight, that I am um, not going anywhere. Those things didn't deter me from, you know, wanting to see my kids. I just want to, you know, see them. So now um, the girl left. I don't like getting too much into like all the drama of it, but the girl left and you know, he's 
he thinks in his mind, and I know that this is what he thinks, he thinks that he can win me back um, by, you know, resorting to old tactics of like being sincere and compassionate and blah, 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 blah. But I really know that it's not real. So I just play along with it. And, you know, I'm kind of like, I just tell him what he wants to hear a little bit. Um, not, not at all. I make it clear that we're not back together. I'm not getting back together with him. But I do like say things like, oh, you have changed. No, he has not. But I just, I do that because um, it's like playing a game a little bit and I get to see my kids and that's really more important to me than anything. And um, it does feel a little bit bad. Like I do feel bad a little bit for, you know, saying things that I don't mean because I don't normally, that's normally not me, but it, my kids are more important to me than, than his feelings and then, than anything, you know, that goes along with that. So like seeing them outweighs the little bad feeling that I feel when I'm like, oh, you've changed, you know, and, um, he, he definitely hasn't changed. And matter of fact, like, I can see it so much more clear now. It's funny because like he specifically targets the things that I was most um, upset about in the relationship. And he, he acts like those things are like transformed. Like um, for instance, he um, just says like, well, now I, um, cause he used to not talk at all. Like I would never know what he was thinking cause I couldn't, and I couldn't know what he was feeling because a narcissist, you can't read their emotions. So, and he would never talk. He would never talk to me. So it would be like, you never talk. Like I never, it's like, I don't know who you are. Like you're a stranger. And, um, and now he's like, oh, I talk all the time. Um, and matter of fact, in my last relationship with that girl, um, and it only lasted four months, go figure. But um, in that, in the last relationship, um, she was always upset because I was talking all the time and I just talked too much. And I know that's not him. And I know that he's like pretending and I know that it's a facade and all that. And so I can just, I can see the manipulations. I can see him trying to like, you know, figure out what it what it's gonna take to get it to click in my head that he's, you know, he and I are going to be back together and it's not going to happen. There's no key in the world that can unlock that because it's like closed forever. And he's, he's just, he's just going to have to realize that. Sad thing is that, um, when he feels rejected, he retaliates, which is why I'm just very like, you know, like go with the flow around him and not really like standing up and saying like, Oh my God, will you quit? Like, I know you're lying. I know you're manipulating. I know I don't do that because, um, the second he feels rejected, he retaliates and his forms of retaliation are, um, usually end or what he would like to end with me, um, crying and begging God for mercy. Like he can get that kind of reaction out of people because he knows where to hurt you and usually has to do with my kids. I'm sorry I got interrupted there for a second. I had to go do something. The joys of being a mom and um, 
and I also watch my um, best friend's daughter at the same time. So those are the kids that I'm talking about that are here. They're not school age, so they're each other's best friend and playmate. And they get into a lot of mischief together. But um, I have to like keep interrupting you know, my podcast to go out there and make sure they're okay. But I won't be on too much longer anyway. I have to make a lunch and, you know, do stuff with them. We're going to make cookies today and everything. Um, so my friend, um, Clark Kent, um, also said, gave me some topics that he wanted to, um, go have me, have me talk about and go over. And so, um, after this questionnaire, um, one will probably end on like part six because I take forever answering questions. Um, after that, then I'm going to do a segment on, um, children that are going through a divorce, like what to do kind of thing. Um, my kids are going through that and it, it's really hard. Like it's not easy. It does something to a kid as much as you don't want it to. Um, but I had to outweigh what it would have been worse me staying. I would have given them the idea that what the, is going on in their environment is okay. And, um, and it's not. So, and I have the ability from an outside point now, an outside place to be able to affect them when I'm around them. I can um, bring things to their attention and, and talk to them or bring them to where I'm at and talk to them. And um, it's a lot, I think it's a lot easier to get through because then I've established my authority again. Um, whereas before I was just like an underling and they could treat me however they wanted, and, um, and it, uh, from this part now, um, the co-parenting hasn't been, uh, smooth, like I said, there was a time when I wasn't even allowed to talk to them or anything, and can't really get a whole lot done through the courts, um, until the divorce is over, I mean, you know, I could play games and go to their school and pick them up and then he would, you know, do the same thing back and it would just be putting them through misery. Um, or I can just keep my eye on the prize, which is the end game of having them all with me and let him think he's winning right now and let him think that he has control, but I can see them, I can be around them and I can be in their lives. Um, and so I choose that option. Um, some people are really lucky because they can co-parent very easily. That's not the case with me. Um, he, he has certain things that he does and says and things that are around the children that I kind of just like, oh, I just hope that they don't get those things. Like, um, he's bad about making like racist comments or jokes and stuff like, I know he's grown up that way and like you know and he has different friends of different ethnicities so I don't know why he would like be that way but um he he's just very close-minded and like for instance he's like really anti-gay so like if my son does anything that you know expresses anything like 
he likes the color pink and it's like oh my god he just like committed murder in that house like you can't like the color pink that's a girl color blah 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 but I didn't see it written anywhere that a color belonged to a gender and like I'm just I'm just a non-judgmental person like I'm like you be you you do you whatever makes you feel good I don't want to inhibit my children anyway and make them feel like you know they have to be a certain way because that's awful that's really awful I lived that life but um I and I, I just don't want that for my kids so I'm the more accepting and understanding parent so when my kids are around me and they have the ability to you know come see me and visit me and or I come there and visit them mostly when they come see me because then there's he has less control um and he's not like listening into every conversation like he does when I'm over there um then they're able to like open up to me and talk to me about things that they can't talk about with him and that's because of his like close-mindedness and stuff um again I never put him down to them. I never talk bad about them or b bad about him to them. Um, I never paint him in a bad light. Um, eventually he's going to do that to himself because right now, like my son is feeling the animosity, you know, from him on those certain subjects or things. And, um, you know, like, honestly, I accept my children the way that they are and whatever that they choose, I love them. Doesn't mean I am behind every decision they'll make. If my kid, you know, like steals a car and, you know, gets to, gets into a car accident or, you know, something crazy. I'm just, again, throwing something out there randomly. Um, I'll still love them. If they make bad decisions. I'll still love them. If they, whatever life choices they make, I'm still going to love them. And love doesn't mean like judging it means loving them and, you know, hopefully that they'll see the example in my life um, that I'm setting. And that's why, you know, I try to work so hard, too, to to um, show outwardly, you know, how I feel inwardly, my moral compass, because I want my kids to see that. I want that, you know. I hope, if anything, that they got from me is that, that they feel the urge to do the right thing, Um I can already tell that my 11-year-old is an empath, and I definitely see him being that way. Um, it's funny because, like, if he tells a lie, it eats him alive, and he has to come tell me, like, I'm sorry I lied. And he's, like, he breaks down about it, and I'm like, it's okay. Thank you for telling me. Like, And sometimes it's over something, like, you know, um... It's just any, like really anything. And he, he feels so bad about it. And, and I'm like, yeah, I know exactly how you feel. Because I cannot lie. Like George Washington said, I cannot tell a lie when he chopped down the cherry tree. I cannot tell a lie. I mean, I could if I wanted to. Um, and like I have explained to you guys, I kind of tell my ex what he wants to hear whenever I'm talking to him. Um... But if it can't, like, when it comes to, like, actually lying, like, lying, the word lying, like, saying something that is completely false or untrue, um, I can't do it. Even, even in pranking, I suck at pranks, especially kinds, like, 
um, you know, making somebody believe something that's not true. Um, like, I got arrested and I'm, you know, being held da, 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 and like, just, you know, trying to make someone think that. This is me on that joking thing. Like, I'm like, I got arrested. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I didn't really get arrested. I'm sorry you thought that for a second. Like, <laughs> I can't, can't do it. Um, she makes me the most horrible prank person ever. But my son is like that. My 11-year-old anyway. So, um, and he's actually, the. we are actually the closest. We have the closest bond. We like the same things. And, um, and he's very open-minded. And he, he doesn't fit his mind inside of a box. He doesn't conform. He's just like me in the fact that he he's so against conforming that he'll go out of his way to like not conform and um that's how I was when I was younger too I was like why does every person want to wear the same thing like I don't get it like what's trending and what's what's popular and all those things like to me that was like why would I want to be like everyone else that makes no sense I want to stand out I'll wear fairy wings to school. I'll wear you know, a tiara or like knee high boots or like I just I just was like crazy in like the way I expressed myself because I did not want to follow the norm and be like everyone else. Um, I I wanted to be me. I wanted to stand out. I wanted to like express myself. So he's very much like that in that fact. Um, my oldest son. I just got alerted that it is lunchtime, so I need to go make some lunch. But, um, talking about my kids, I was saying my oldest is, um, basically wanting to be like everyone else. I don't understand that. I don't understand. Um, but I guess, like, he gets that from his dad, maybe? I don't know. Um, so that is... Those questions, I think I've answered all of them. Let me just check really fast. And then I can, like, go on to all mine. Um, and, um... Oh, no, actually, there's one more. Um, what's your view on gun violence and the these day mass shootings? Um, okay, well, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm not going to get into my conspiracies completely, but I'm going to say, I feel like a lot of the shootings, a lot of things that are happening are um, inside jobs, and I feel like they're planned and orchestrated, um, and I do believe that it is for an ultimate agenda, which is um, to take away guns, ultimately. Um the greatest way, or the best way, not the greatest, but the best way to keep people imprisoned is the illusion of freedom. So um, I just don't believe we're as free as we think we are and that there is a, uh, a control that is happening um, in the government and not just the government, but in people of control that may not be in the government, but have a lot of money and can influence things. And um, I believe all these people are interconnected to a group that I won't name on this on this site. I have another I have another podcast that's full of my conspiracy theories. 
and um and i will at the end maybe at the end if i remember tell you guys my other podcast uh name and you guys can go to it or i'll just say now it's called infecting truth and um you can go there and listen to my crazy off the wall conspiracy theories from gun violence to um mythological creatures mythology in itself um just pretty much anything and everything and organized groups of people in control and you'll you'll know what i'm talking about so um that's what i believe most of the things that happen like that why they happen uh some some I mean, I'm not saying every shooting or everything like that, every mass shooting is like that, but there are some that like really are questionable. When someone does not have a history of violence and they like look at every single aspect of their life and they're like, oh, well, this person was like majorly into porn, so that's why they just shot up an entire movie theater. Mm-mm, no, sorry, because that would mean that about 70% of the population would be shooting up people like no 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 probably more than 70 percent there's a lot of people that are addicted to porn but no that's just it's not believable for me um i study and like really get into profiles of killers and um they just don't match up somebody with asperger's like are you kidding me that's like the furthest thing from a killer like they are afraid to be around people and they're not going to kill someone because they have empathic tendencies like there's just no way if someone like for instance okay if all of a sudden people were like ashley did this crazy thing and she's a terrorist and she shot up like a bunch of schools and all this crazy stuff i'm sure a lot of people believe it being on the news and stuff because people believe everything on the news but the people who really know me would probably be like um, are you kidding me? She's never hurt anybody. She would never hurt anybody. She would rather cut herself than cut someone else or hurt someone else. Like, what are you even saying? But media makes it so believable that these people are, um, you know, set up for some things. And some people are actually, they do it, but they're sleepers, which means they're programmed to do it. And they live normal life except for the one purpose, which is to do that one thing at a certain given time. Um, and gosh, I'm getting right into my conspiracy theories and I'm sorry. I don't mean to like bring that into this, you know, into this uh, podcast, but look up what a sleeper is and you'll get your answer kind of like a born Jason Bourne from Born Identity or um a funnier version would be Zoolander but exactly the same concept um just not funny someone can be programmed your mind can be programmed it can be um don't believe me look up MKL to mind programming which was something that the government did which is actually something that you have access to because it was in the 60s and they released the files um, some odd, like five or six years ago. Um, so you can actually read and look at what they did to human beings to get them to do the, to, to control them, to literally make them do what they wanted them to do. Um, and 
we don't think that it's happening now. Like, really? It's, it's a certain amount of power that, you know, people can have over other people. And we're saying that they just were like, oh, well, that's too much power. We're just going to give that up. No, the government still does that and still has, um, you know, people in power and people to do these things and people who are put in power that are being mind controlled. So like puppets, um, there are people who like have, you know, done mass shootings and stuff like that, that are seriously psychopathic and they have the problems that a sociopath would have, but then that makes them on that profile that makes sense that they would do those things. Um, and usually they have like a history of some kind of violence, not saying that they've shot up, you know, a place before, but they have a history of physical violence. They have a history and it adds up into that point. Like it's a building. No one just overnight goes like, I'm just going to go shoot up an entire movie theater or a school. Yeah, no, it doesn't happen. And uh, kids who are bullied and stuff like that, that's a trigger that happens, but they don't just like overnight do it. They plan it. They have, um, they have what we call like, um, word is but it's like building blocks up into that point they retaliate in little ways and typically um they don't retaliate against the bullies typically they retaliate against themselves because they think that killing themselves is like a way to show them you know like huh, i showed you and so um and then also they've been uh stripped of their self-worth so they think killing themselves is the just easiest way out and um, they don't believe they're valuable enough to uh, stay alive because the bullies have really hurt them. But it just depends. Like I, in any situation, like I have to really look at the facts and look at what a person has done in their past and kind of like figure out for myself, like do investigative work to see if I believe that person is capable of doing it. If I think they're a sleeper or if they're really a sociopath because there are sociopaths on, on this earth and um or if if I think that it was someone else and this person's taking the fall um it, it just like if some of them don't add up and that's where my conspiracy theories come into play um I think that the moral decline uh, is very sad. This earth is on a strong moral decline. Um, every single person um, is capable of doing much worse things than they than it was back fifty, even fifty years ago. Um, and that's just like I feel like um, media and uh, desensitization due to like graphic violence on television and things like that and video games has to do with that. I'm not saying that kid go, going and playing like Mortal Kombat is going to go and like tear someone's skull out of their head or like feel like they need to be violent against someone else. Um, however, those um, videos and those movies and stuff, they do affect a small percentage of people and when that happens and it's put into the media outlets and it's put on the news and stuff like that um the people who normally play those games are kind of like desensitized to it so it's not like shocking news like i remember the first time columbine happened 
in, or the first time a school shooting happened, and it was Columbine. And actually, it was Paducah before that, but it wasn't really uh, televised very strongly as Columbine was. Columbine was like, everybody knew it. And it was the the shots that were heard around the world, like, besides the JFK. Like, it was that big. And, um, and I remember what I was doing. I remember seeing it on TV, like, everything, the, what was going down, how they were, like, getting kids out of the school. I mean, it, like, it was like, what is going on? And now we have, like, shootings all the time that it's just, like, one overlaps the other, and kids are kind of desensitized to it. Like, back in the day, like, if there was a bomb threat in our school, like, everybody, you know, was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, freaking out. Now it's, like, just a regular thing. Like, oh, it's bomb threat. Yeah, this happens all the time. We're just gonna, like, hang out here and chill and stuff. They weren't, like, really, they're not really worried anymore because it's just, like, they're so desensitized, and the world is desensitizing us to violence, and we're, we're going in a direction, um, only to get, decline and get worse, and, um, and moral decline is just, like, people think that because in movies, and because in media, and things like that, that other people's moral compasses are off, so can't theirs be, like, for instance, back a hundred years ago, um, sex outside of marriage was considered like an abomination like you just don't now we're at the day and age where people are just like go on tinder to hook up like that's a moral decline nothing against your personal choices but do you think that if you were born back then that you'd make the same choices no you wouldn't most people wouldn't because um what the world does and what the world perceives as good and bad is a lot of what um, people take into their own moral compass which is why i keep mine um pointed toward north always um because i don't i don't um subscribe to what the world does and i am just not of the world i wasn't created to be of the world no one was created to be of the world um they just fall into it because um it's fun and there's bright lights <laughs> and i'm i can just see past all that and i just see destruction and i see um like nothing good comes from doing bad things nothing good comes from it so just you know i don't do that but the mass shootings that happen all the time now. So, um, that's going to be it for part two. I'm going to continue on with part three in my next segment because, or my next episode, because I didn't even get to my questions, but I did hopefully answer all of Clark Kent's and he makes me smile. So I said that like three times. Um, but hopefully it was worth it. Hopefully he got the answers that he was looking for. And, um, you guys just like start probing yourself and asking yourself, like, what do you stand for? What is important to you? Um, is, do you believe things because other people have told you? Um, do you, what is your moral compass? Like, what are you capable of doing? Like what if the world was doing, um, something opposite what, you know, what you think is right would you fall into that and change your moral compass because the world is doing it because i think that's a lot of what a lot of people are doing like 
there's a lot of shows and movies where people can just like easily just like have sex with people just one night stands and stuff and like um that's just becoming the norm now and it used to not be and i the thing that's changed is what's being projected into the media and um you know what's being input into our heads as far as like uh content that we're digesting and um literally anything that your mind see your eyes see you hear or um gets input into your brain is your brain is a computer so it's information and that information is collected and used to make a um used to make judgments and used to make um um, decisions and when you get information that the world is doing it a certain way a lot of people skew their um their own thought processes to line up with what the world is doing and like oh well everybody is doing this this is a new day and age like everybody is you know doing this like this isn't like everybody is doing this that's why you see a lot of um children who are like I don't want to classify millennials or whatever because like people say millennials millennials but each generation is getting worse and that's because of the moral decline and um and I think it's intended that way I think that they not just the government but um powers that be in this group that I believe is in control um I believe that they are slowly um causing the moral decline and um you know, like, it's sad to me that a lot of things are considered okay. Um, for instance, I know, I know I'm going to get disagreed with heavily on this, but trust me when I say this, pornography is bad and, um, and any form of it. And it just, it's, it becomes a drug for some people. Uh, some people get addicted to it, but even the people that are not addicted to it, you don't, I don't think you realize that this um, world um, is like the world of pornography is part of the sex industry, which um, gets about $80 billion a year. And most of that is from um, human trafficking. A lot of times you're seeing people on screen, you don't even know if they're being made to do these things. Typically the, the harder it is to believe that someone would do those things, the more likely that it is that they're being drugged and made to do those things because human nature isn't to to do a lot of things that are being done and subscribed to online, being degraded and things like that. Um, I know that there's like some fetishes for it and stuff, but like the actual act of it and, you know, there's very few people that are okay with that and... Um, and yes, I know that there's like sadists and masochists and stuff, but I more or less mean that, um, usually those people have grown into those, um, fetishes or whatnot, and they're not 17 and 18 years old, typically, um, wanting to do those things. And, um, a lot, just a lot of the things that you see are even like, full-grown 20-year-old, 20-something-year-old um, porn stars. They're not happy with their life and a lot of things that happen um, on the underground and behind the scenes in their life. And uh, just so you know, 
there has not been one and I dare you to find one person who's in the sex industry who has not been exploited as a child who has not had someone physically sexually abuse them um, because there there isn't one that I could find and I've not only have I talked to many of them but um, at, like I've gone to conventions um, you know and like people think I'm crazy for doing that because they're like oh if you're a Christian why would you go to a sex convention and I'm like it doesn't make me who I am I feel like I can talk to these people they're people just like me and I feel like I can help them in some way and I don't condemn them and I'm never ever like oh, you're a slut how could you do this life like I'm like what happened like why and and usually they open up to me and they're like this is just a means to an end. This isn't something I want to do forever. And I, and I understand. But then they get caught up in it because there's so much to get caught up in. They get caught up in the drugs and, you know, the alcohol and the um, the fact that that's the only life that they know. So when just know that when you're looking at pornography, you're actually, like, putting your, your time and effort towards um, subscribing to human trafficking and exploitation of children um i belong to i'm a freedom fighter and i belong to a group called the end it movement and um that is to help people get out of um human trafficking and um there's a lot of like different ways that you could contribute without having to give money because I don't have money to give. I wish I did because I would give it all and I would live poor just to help people because it's just, it's sad to me that the life that they live, like children are being exploited at such a young age and it, it just breaks my heart, really breaks my heart. But um, it's happening all around us and we choose to close our eyes to it. I mean, and a lot of people just don't want to hear it. Like, I'm sure that some people who have heard this have already just like turned off my podcast because they don't want to hear about stuff that happens like this. And my thoughts are there is such a cry out from these people who are going through it. Like, please, somebody pay attention to this and, and tell someone about it so we can get out of here. And when you tell people about it, it's like, I don't know if that really happens. I mean, that's probably like isolated incidents somewhere, you know, like it doesn't really happen, but we're, we're talking about the day and age that we live in now. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not a good place. And that's why, you know, I kind of believe that the end times are near. I don't know if in my generation or my kid's generation, but I, I feel like it's coming and, um, and not a thousand years from now, I believe it's like, you know, getting pretty close. And, um, so, yeah, but, uh, with the freedom fighter thing, like, you, all you have to do is just, like, tell people about it. Like, I tell people the, the biggest, um, event that you could think of, like, the Super Bowl, is where there's a spike in abductions and in human trafficking happening. And we're talking about because of the Super Bowl. Because there are people who attend the Super Bowl who have a lot of power and a lot of money and they want children. They want 
11-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 7-year-olds, 6-year-olds, um, little boys, little girls. They want Asian 7-year-olds. Like, they have preferences. And these children are being handpicked and plucked from their homes and it's easier out of other countries because in other countries they're third world so yeah they'll sell their children for rice you know it's sad but um it, they're even being plucked and abducted from homes in america and it's happening right there in front of our noses trucks of kids trucks of women trucks of abducted people being hauled into the super bowl like in into the area of the super bowl and we're just like Yay, Super Bowl, go team. And we're, we're unaware to it, but that's literally, if you look up, if you look it up, that is the biggest time is huge sports events um, when human trafficking is at its highest. And I'm running out of time and I have to make lunch for the kids because they're hungry and lunch was two minutes ago, so I'm late. Um, so... Um, Thank you for subscribing. If you have subscribed, thank you for listening. Um, and I really appreciate any support that I get from you guys. Um, part three is going to be next. And it's going to be the questions that I found online. Um, and I'm going to try to answer them as briefly as I can because I talk too much. And I um, hope you guys have a wonderful day. I will continue this when they're napping. Um, thanks so much. Bye.